Hello, welcome to Closing Chapters, Everyday Real Estate Tales. I'm your host, Brittany Fry. I'm a realtor, I'm a military wife, and I'm a mom. Join me and come transaction by transaction throughout my real estate career starting back in 2016 to hear about the highs, the lows, and the unexpected turns along the way through all of my customers. It's going to be a crazy ride, you guys. I am so excited to share the past, the current, and then what's coming in the future. Hang tight for the ride. Join me about being a realtor, a military spouse, and a mom. Can't wait to see you there. Welcome, friends, to the Closing Chapters podcast we talk about everyday real estate tales. We are on episode number three, which actually finishes out my first year in real estate of 2016. I had three transactions my first year in real estate. Mind you, I started May 1st, 2016. My first transaction was four months in and September 9th, 2016. I had another one at the end of November and finished up the year strong with number three on December 29th. This one was exciting, you guys. It was another military family that was buying a new construction house in the neighborhood that I sat in for Great Southern Homes, Pacala Springs. This house was our model home. It wasn't the actual model home, but it was that floor plan called the Bradley. It's a 3,000 square foot house, five bedrooms, three baths, plenty of space, for a beautiful family of three kids and a mom and a dad, all a military family, all young kids. They are so grown now. I just saw a picture of them on Facebook the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, when did they get so big? It doesn't seem like it was that long ago. When I got to meet these folks though, we looked through all different types of floor plans. We had a pretty particular budget we were trying to stick with. And then once we started looking, the wife fell absolutely in love with this floor plan. And she kind of stuck her foot down and said, honey, it's either this floor plan or we're not buying a house here. End of discussion. So we had a lot that this floor plan was being built on and they could still customize it a little bit, pick out some of the finishes on the inside. Perfect. Almost. We get to the point where we are writing the contract, getting the offer put together, and then we get a phone call from the sales manager. This lot is a premium lot, and we're adding on a $2,500 charge for the lot. Are you kidding me? We already had the numbers put together. The house was already getting ready to be built. Now you decide we're going to add on a lot premium. I've got a buyer in hand. She's already fought to get this far, got it approved by her husband. And then we get hit with another wave. So we talk about the $2,500 premium and you think that's not a lot of money, but it is to the average everyday person. $2,500 is a lot of money to a military family. That's almost an entire paycheck, which I mean like, you know, 15th or the 30th, right? The military doesn't get paid that much. I hate to break it to you. My husband is 16 years in the military. 
as an officer and only gets paid a little bit more than that every paycheck. That's including our housing allowance. Such a huge misconception that military get paid so much and have all these extras to just string along. And they really don't. So I get it. You're moving somewhere new. The wife may or may not be working right away. She was a cosmetologist. And um, basically, she did hair more than anything and was really good at it. So anyhow, she didn't have clientele. She wasn't really working here yet. So what does she have to contribute, right? Monetarily. (laughs) She was a jam-up mom, and she had her ducks in a row. And they were a financially stable family. You don't get that way by spending money just to spend money, folks. Anyhow, we had the same conversation. It's this house or no house. I'm not buying a house unless we get this house. Thankfully, the husband okayed it and we were able to move forward. We got got them to the closing table. I got to watch them drive down to their house, hand them keys, everybody unload. So cool, right? Well, let's fast forward a little bit. When we were under contract and doing some of the inspections, they had a couple of fencing companies come over and measure to give them quotes for fences and had one put up right away. They had big dogs and that was a priority to them. So as soon as they closed, fence went up, all was gravy. Well, not really. The neighbors on either side later on decided that they wanted a fence and when they went to go check the property lines, my buyer's fence was on their property line. We went by the stakes that were in the ground. Now, when I say stakes, I mean wooden stakes with like a colored piece of tape on them. Usually it's a pretty good indicator of the property line. That's what the fencing company went by. They did not find the metal stakes in the ground. Lesson learned, folks. You have to find the metal stakes, which may require getting a surveyor out there to market appropriately. Most of the time builders are pretty darn close. In Tennessee, the builders aren't required to have a survey for each individual lot. In South Carolina, they are. So you should be able to trust the builders in South Carolina a little bit better, so you would think. Um, But with every house that I sold that was a new construction house in South Carolina, we were given an individual plat. They had an individual survey done saying where the house was, Uh, within that lot, the setbacks from the road, where any easements were, whatever have you. In Tennessee, you traditionally just find, at least in Montgomery County where I'm at, we just find a neighborhood plat. So you have just the one big plat with all of the different lots that you can see. And sometimes you can see the square where the house is at and sometimes you don't. Um, The only time that we get a little bit more detailed one is if it's on septic and you've got a septic permit, sometimes that one is a little bit more in depth. So what do we do? Whose fault is it? Who's supposed to fix it? Buyer says it's the builder's fault. Builder marked the lot lines. We went by what the builder said. They need to fix it. Is it the builder's fault? What do you think? The answer is via the contract. No, it's not. It's the buyer's due diligence to make sure that they know where their property lines are at to have a survey done if they need it and to make sure the fence is on their property, shed is on their property, anything is on their property. So they had to pay to have the fence moved back onto their property. 
that uh, was a really sucky situation. I didn't care to be a part of that. I mean, that kind of sucks. It's nothing that I did wrong. They made their choices. The fencing company made their choices. And we had to figure it all out in retrospect. But the moral of the story is do your fact checking. It is worth it to pay a little bit of extra money up front to have the appropriate people there to do the appropriate things and have that extra layer of security. If a survey company would have come out there and marked it, then they probably could have gone back to that survey company and said, hey, you're liable. You marked these lines and we went by it. You found the pins. I paid you specifically for this service, right? We don't pay a builder to find the lot lines for us. We pay them to build our house, okay? So that was a a little bit of a bumpy road there. I'd already had to get them to up their budget a little bit just to get into this house. And then we got hit with the lot premium. And then they get in the house, they put up a fence just to have to move the fence. So it was a little bit of a rough ride. All in all, it all worked out. They stayed in the house. It was a beautiful property for them. They did a fantastic job getting involved in the neighborhood. It was so cool to see the military wife community within this community, if that makes sense. And later on, I actually sold another house to a military family that was coming from overseas. And it was so cool that I was able to get them connected with this little group of military spouses in the neighborhood. And she was able to slide right in. Matter of fact, one of them was so amazing that her husband was gone. They had an extra vehicle. They didn't have a vehicle here yet. Husband wasn't here yet. Kid wasn't here yet. She came ahead to close and get started on getting into the house. So my, it was actually one of my friends in the neighborhood loaned her a car for the meantime until her car got here. How sweet is that? That's what it means to be in a military community, folks. They take care of each other. They help each other any way they possibly can. And she didn't have to do that. I didn't ask her to do that. I simply made an introduction just so that they would have friends within the community. Such a cool side story to that, right? So back to 2016. This is it. It's the end of 2016. I've wrapped up my third transaction that I I have had a buyer, a seller, and a buyer. The third one was all mine. It wasn't somebody that was given to me. It wasn't another deal that needed to be co-listed with me because someone was moving out of state. I finally did it. By the end of my first year in real estate, I had my very first own customer. How cool is that? Now, I'm going to tell you, there's other agents that hit the ground running and they do a lot more business in their first year. I chose to get very involved in my community first, like we talked about in the first episode, and then the rest came. And I truly believe in that. If you put in the work, the good work, then the rest follows, okay? So you can go pay for leads, you can be on floor duty, you can farm neighborhoods, you can do whatever you want to, to hustle and bustle and get a bunch of leads and get a bunch of deals closed. But remember this, this is not the quick and fast game, my friends. We are building long lasting relationships, a foundation for our business. We want these people to stay in touch with us. We want to stay in touch with them. If it is just some blind lead 
from Joe down the corner because you sent him 10 flyers and he finally called you. Is that an organic lead? Does that feel good? If you paid 1500 bucks just to be able to have your name on some ad in Zillow just so that somebody would call you, what's the connection? Who's on the other side? Where's the link between you? Let me tell you about how I work by referral. There is always somebody on the other side. A previ- previous client, another agent, another friend, some connection to me that has put that client in touch with me. This makes a world of difference. There is already a layer of trust there, a lot of times layer of security. With that said, you never let your guard down. It doesn't matter who connects you with who. Nobody knows everybody like they should. Okay. But in general, like we talked about before, a lot of times there's a really bad stigma that realtors are just another salesman. That's so not true, folks. We are here to be so much more. And just like any other job, there's good ones, there's bad ones. You're going to have your pick of the litter, right? I'm a good one, just so you know. Um, But with that said, I want to make sure that there's trust and a bond between us and that we fit and mesh well. And I've also learned that my personality doesn't work for everybody. I'm not always what everybody needs. And if that's the case, I will be the first to say so and tell you who I think you could work well with and make that connection. Because this really needs to be good for you. This is a huge, huge transaction in your world, in your life. One of the biggest amounts of money you're ever going to spend. If you don't feel good about it, if you don't feel good about the people that are involved, that's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. And I don't want that. So anyhow, if you have the opportunity to go slow and steady, do it. Build those relationships. Wine and dine your clients. Do customer events. Pop by and give them a little goodie just to say, hey, Text them every once in a while. Let them know that you're thinking of them or that you saw Johnny on the baseball field and saw that he got a home run. Be true to yourself and be a friend. Be a trusted advisor. Be a professional. Don't work transactionally. These people mean something to you and you mean something to them. Don't brush them to the side as soon as you're done with a transaction. Because they are going to come back to you one day if you do the right things. And you're going to be able to help them and everybody you know over and over and over again. So, word of the wise, after my first year in real estate, I was happy to take it slow and steady. Super excited to get my first three transactions under my belt and ready to take on a new year. And boy, was 2017 a lot different. I can't wait to tell you all about it.